Hi there. Before we start, we wanted to offer up a short content warning for this episode of Manga Explaining. This episode deals with religion, which is a sensitive subject for a lot of reasons and may be especially sensitive for a lot of people right now. We wanted to take a moment to acknowledge the ongoing grief and anger felt by indigenous peoples across North America. And for more information about this, you can please check out our show notes at mangasplaining.com. Hello, and welcome to Manga Explaining, the show where we recommend great manga to folks who haven't read manga before. Hosted by myself, David Brothers, Deb Aoki, Christopher Butcher, and Chip Zdarsky. Please follow along with our show notes and reading list at mangasplaining.com, and check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok as well. <laughs> TikTok? Yeah. <laughs> TikTok, Mr. Wick. I don't know. I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but we have a very solemn manga to uh, discuss today, Hikaru oh, Nakamura's Saint Young Men. So this is a very recent release in the U.S. It came out in 2019, but started serialization in Japan in 2006. And it was kept from our shores because the creator of the manga, Nakamura, was worried that Americans who were a little bit touchy about religion sometimes would not like a manga where Jesus is a slacker and Buddha is also a slacker and they are roommates. Time goes on things change, and it turns out she finally relented. We got it published in the U.S. by Kodansha. We've got several volumes out now, and I like it. I thought it was really funny, so I wanted to make Chip read it and see what everyone else thought about it as well. <laughs> but it's essentially a gag manga. Every chapter is broken into like individual scenes that are kind of one joke that revolve around a subject or a certain type of subject matter. Maybe it's festivals, maybe it's shenanigans in a sauna, just like very broad categories. And the very specific religious jokes within that. And I was raised and am Christian and I love Bible jokes. I feel like they're really, when they're very funny, they're extremely funny. But they're also very easy to make you like very like gross and bigoted. And so St. Young Men is fun because it's all on the really funny, goofy side, but also has a lot of Bible trivia, but then also a lot <laughs> of manga trivia as well. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm going to tell my favorite joke in the book and then we're going to ask Deb what she thought. But there's a moment where Buddha is telling Jesus, like, hey, I didn't want to join your social network because your friend was creeping me out, your friend Judas. <laughs> and the drawing of Judas is the same as Yuda from Fist of the North Star. Yeah, yeah. He's known for betrayal. <laughs> yeah. And it's such a tiny, dumb joke, but I had to stop and be like, okay, like, this is definitely going to be my thing. So I'm into this uh, in a variety <laughs> of ways. Deb, what did you think? Oh, I love this manga. <laughs> I love, I mean, I love the manga because it's just so funny. It's so, um, the personalities of Jesus and Buddha make them really likable. Mm. Like Buddha, like Jesus is kind of a spendthrift, impulsive, and then Buddha is very, very serious, but yet <laughs> easily embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> so when I, I, when I went to the British Museum manga exhibit in London, this was before Kodansha announced it, but they had the, St. Young Ben pages on on display and that, that woman who was a curator did the introduction for this book. Oh, nice. Mm. Um, they had the Buddha and Jesus celebrate Christmas in Japan chapter. Mm -hmm. And at the time, what, there was a little statement on the bottom where, from the artist and she said, oh, well, I'm, I'm like Buddha and my husband is like Jesus. 
And it's like, <laughs> oh, that's where the, the where you got the personalities from. That's yeah. fascinating. Mm. I, I'm technically I'm Buddhist. Technically. I'm a very late. Technically, I'm, <laughs> I'm very I'm a very lazy Buddhist. Okay. Mm. Meaning, I didn't go. I didn't go to the equivalent of Sunday school, mm-hmm. and I, as a result, I don't really know a lot of the the Bible jokes. <laughs> so I'm really grateful for the extensive notes at the end that go like, "Oh, that's what that means." Yeah, um, mm. you know, the, or the deeper part of it. So the Nibley sisters did the translation for this, and they are they are deep thinkers. <laughs> like they went deep into the Bible trivia, trivia that and the Buddhism trivia. Mm-hmm. That mm. I have mixed feelings about whether that made it more fun or less fun to read. Yeah, <laughs> but mm. it made it very interesting. Mm-hmm. I just like the idea of living in Japan and being a stranger in a strange land. Everything is funny. Yeah, <laughs> it's very comforting. <laughs> yeah. Did you read Arakawa Under the Bridge, uh, Nakamura's previous work? I did not, and I meant to read it before. But what did did you and did you like it? Yeah, it's actually it's serialized on Crunchyroll, and it's this same type of funny but without any of the religious stuff but very like absurd and people kind of getting caught up in things going on wow mm-hmm. uh, so we're checking out if you if you dig this is it about homeless like homeless people or the people in it are homeless but i wouldn't say it's about homeless people like there's a lady that lives under the bridge but there's also like mascots in costumes there's like a village chief who's a 620 year old kappa who's just wearing like a kappa costume like clearly a costume <laughs> There's like a idol singer slash star. There's a lot going on. Uh, some guys dressed as a nun. Very goofy. Very weird. I, I, I like I like this. It just feels like like funny guy gin. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Chris, do you agree? I I liked it. Yeah, I thought it was funny. I actually laughed out loud quite a bit mm-hmm. uh, reading this one. I could, since Deb brought it up, <laughs> could not get over. How this was what's the best way to say it i've never read a manga that was justifying so hard its right to exist within the pages of the manga <laughs> like a museum curator giving an introduction extensive notes after every chapter <laughs> like explaining things that maybe he didn't even need explaining like i was like oh is this how people feel when they read the show notes and i read an episode <laughs> and I explained a joke to death <laughs> It got to the point, actually, maybe around the third chapter, I'm like, I'm maybe going to skip these notes at the end of every chapter and just keep, you know, reading the story. I didn't. And I was like, no, they these are in here. They want to contextualize this. I got a bunch of Bible jokes that I thought I would not have got otherwise and a bunch of like Buddhist scripture jokes that I would not have got otherwise. That was really mm-hmm. good. Yeah, I think it's such such a weird project. I can't help but think about it in my like thinking about how how things fit into the industry kind of a way when i when i put all that aside though i actually laughed i laughed a lot i kept reading and i uh aggressively recommended it to andrew when he got home i was like hey you studied religion you got to read this book it's freaking crazy <laughs> and it's he laughed and laughed oh that's and good said no but he'll i'll make him read it I'll is it funnier if so yeah religious? i think it's i think so i think if you i think if the jokes hit right away and you don't have to read a paragraph description yeah. of what the joke yeah. was there's like, and yeah, there's a lot of stuff, and that's the other thing I want to say. There's a lot of stuff that's legitimately just funny, even if you don't get any of like any of the religion, mm-hmm. like, or any of the like real deep Japanese comedy, Japanese culture kind of stuff. It's still just like actually really funny. But the more that you, we're pretty, I, I'm, I'm pretty far removed 
from the original target market for this book, for the original audience for this book, and I could feel it. And uh, it makes me wonder how Chip, who is perhaps even further removed, felt about this title. I didn't much care for it. And I feel real bad that I don't much care for it. <laughs> Did you feel bad before we all said how much we liked it? Well, I, I, I mean, I'm surprised everyone really likes it. So I was feeling worse and worse as you guys kept talking. <laughs> Sorry. But, um, <laughs> yeah, like, the page afterwards explaining some of the jokes definitely didn't help. And I'm sure I'm, I'm, I'm missing other things as well. And I, I didn't... I didn't find even the jokes that I didn't need the explanations for either just landed awkwardly or didn't land at all. Mm-hmm. Like I found a lot of the, I don't know if it's a translation thing or what, but I found a lot of the, the dialogue just kind of confusing or again, the kind of over explaining yeah. of a thing where I'm just like, well, like you're kind of killing the pace here a lot. Mm-hmm. And I found the art didn't help that either. Like I thought, you know, way of the house husband, the art sold the joke so well. And here, once in a while it did, but for the most part, the art just kind of services the the joke. I was actually thinking about your point about artists who love to draw versus artists who want to tell a specific story. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 what this kind of feels like. And uh, and there are certain pages where I would screen grab it and be like, I just need to like come back to this and look at it again to see what i'm (laughs) like if i'm missing a thing if i reread it a few times am i going to get something out of it yeah yeah i don't it's it's a tricky one i don't i don't know quite what i was expecting but maybe i was expecting something a bit more funny i guess but (laughs) again i feel i feel bad saying there are a few jokes in there where i i definitely smiled i never i never laughed out loud at any of them because I, I tend to only laugh out loud when I think the art and the, the writing really work well together. Mm-hmm. And here there'd be a, a, a few dialogue things like, Oh, that's, that's okay. That's pretty good. I get that. That's, that's a fun little joke. But yeah, but, but for the most part, um, I didn't uh, connect with the characters enough. And mm-hmm. besides the spendthrift worry thing, there didn't feel to be enough of a difference there. Between Jesus and Buddha. Yeah. Yeah. Like I kind of not that I wanted conflict between them, because <laughs> that's that's a weird thing to say about Jesus and Buddha. Yeah, but but I think I think I just wanted more there. Like it's weird to have it. I I think maybe the the fundamental thing for me was it's a gag strip that could be more than that, and it never felt like it quite hit the more than that part. Mm. So I I should just accept it as a gag, a gag strip, right? Yeah. But yeah, but I think I think that's I think that's on me, like. My lack of understanding, like my my Christian upbringing and my <laughs> Catholic school, had me getting a few things, and some of my limited knowledge of Buddhism had me get a few other things. But I don't think enough to really fully appreciate this. Interesting. So, yeah. Chris, you said something. Your authors, your translation notes are between chapters. Yeah. So for um, my, I have the. I'm the only one. We were just discussing this. I'm the only one that has the uh, physical copy of the book i have a hardcover it's really nice actually it's a double volume so it has volumes one and two and chapter one translation notes which happens after the first chapter which is only 10 pages wow uh says as you've no doubt already seen the charm and challenge of saint young men lies in its level of engagement with buddhism christianity and japanese culture which may require more context than in usual in our manga 
which I guess this is from Kodansha, to facilitate your reading experience, we have decided to include the translation notes for this series following each chapter. Huh. So yeah, so for me, I would read a chapter and then there'd be between one and two, I think some, I think there was one that was three pages of translation notes explaining what every joke yeah. was in each panel. And does that not no, that's how it was for me too. This for me? Really? Yeah. I I have the Kindle version and all the notes are at the back. What? Whoa. Huh. Like I don't even have like the intro, like, oh, we need, you know, notes between chapters. It just starts like translation notes, Joshua, page two. Um so there are a lot of notes. I mean, there's like ten pages of notes, which I kind of love. Wow. But they're not in the way of the story. They vary it changes your reading experience a lot when you get to it and you're you're like, should I skip this and just keep reading and maybe get into like a rhythm with it? But it's like, no, but I know I missed all those jokes because I did not know what was going on with the snake that comes up and shields the Buddha from the rain. <laughs> so I want to read about that. <laughs> yeah. And then I yeah. Did. It was yeah. Good. And Deb and Chip, are you on iBooks? I'm on Comixology. Comixology, so yeah. Weird. I'm on Kindle, so you'd think that would be the same. No, the Kindle versions are completely different yeah. from Comixology. Amazing. Wow. So I think my version might be a smoother read. Because I think if you explain all the jokes in between the jokes, like it really kind of kills the, the rhythm, especially the pacing, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. Oh, agree. Well, all mine, you kind of have to roll with the punches a little more. So there's more you might not understand immediately, but then you'll get later. Mm. That's a really interesting decision. I love translation notes, so, but I don't know if that's the solution. Kind of goes back to what I was trying to say. It's like, it felt like, okay, you just read a thing. <laughs> the Jesus said a thing we're gonna explain what it meant it's it's it's, it's okay it's okay it's okay yeah and that was like every 20 pages like clockwork it's like okay that thing that just happened it's okay this is what they're referencing (laughs) it's okay uh and it's like yeah like they're trying to reassure you that they're that this author is not being blasphemous Mm. which is like cool i'm glad they're not doing that some people take that real serious yeah but it does I th- fuck up your humor a little. I, th- I think also, like uh, up until now, like the kind of translation notes have been a lot more kind of minimal because the notes are about translating Japanese culture, and usually, if you're kind of into manga, like that's not an issue as much. Whereas here, it's like they're explaining it to everyone because there are like three different things that they're translating: Japanese culture, Christianity, and Buddhism. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. I, I think that I, I get why they do it, breaking it up chapter to chapter like that, because it's it's a lot to to get across. Yeah, and then there are things that just don't work without them. Whereas for the most part, you can you can read it and it's fine, and then the translation notes at the end will give you a little bit of extra, like, mm-hmm. oh, this is actually based on this because of this, and we changed it because of that. But here it's more mm-hmm. like, no, you need to know who Judas is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to understand what's going on here. I mean, but does that speak to how, like, there's a certain lack of religious literacy in American, North American audiences? Like, mm. I don't think this was in the, the Japanese edition, these extensive backgrounds. No way. They explain so many basic things on either side, like Manzai comedy and the three wise men that I feel like are just yeah. kind of <laughs> foundational in either, cul- either culture. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, the, 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 the mm. This isn't how I thought this episode was yeah. going to go when I, when I finished reading. I'm like, oh, I know. This is going to be another Yotsuba uh, or a Full Metal Alchemist where it's like, oh, the first book wasn't that good, but the human really picks up and the second book's really, really strong. Yeah. This is a very, I did not expect a chip to feel this way. I didn't expect I to feel this way either. <laughs> I'm, I'm the most shocked and uh, upset at my feelings. 
Yeah. <laughs> Though I do actually think the second volume is uh, better than the first, but it just does some jokes that I like personally. Oh my God. It's so good. <laughs> it's the, and the Christmas story, which they go out of way their way to reference in the introduction to this, the, the hardcover volume. I don't know if you guys have the same introduction, but like this is a double volume. So this, my volume includes one and two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it includes the story that she specifically calls out as being like important at this, at the, museum exhibition and one of her favorite stories and whatever and then it kind of sucks that you guys didn't get to read it like what a weird packaging to, yeah. like whatever i know digital comics are digital comics i yeah. we, we can't fix that on this podcast sadly i love that there are three skews for this now <laughs> Minimum. <laughs> but sort of the format of the book like chris was saying is they'll go like there's the christmas thing and of course like christmas is jesus's birthday and he's like oh is someone like gonna throw me a surprise party and Buddha is actually trying to throw him a surprise party. It's, it's dumb, but it's so good. It's so good. It but it sort good. of typifies the type of joke this book specializes in, which is like taking a religious thing and like just going full lowest common denominator with it. Like I love the joke where <laughs> Jesus is like, yeah, I can't swim. Like when I walked across the yeah. water, like that was because I wanted to get somewhere quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was that was really good. Yeah, and just things like that where it takes familiar things and it twists it a little bit. And I feel like this is something very common in manga. Like, there's an official Fist of the North Star series that takes the entire setting and moves it to a convenience store in the year 2000X instead of the post apocalypse. <laughs> and it's super funny. It, this oh, was the man. 30th anniversary special for the franchise, one of the most fun, like, important franchises ever. So, this kind of poking fun feels very familiar. But with religion, I think is why the author got a little bit worried, like Chris was saying. Like, this is taking something people feel very strongly about and then mocking it but it's like a very lovely is it like a loving mocking do you think yeah they're not really mm. not really mocking i like, mean is this edgy it, it only it gets edgy once in a while but but it's still peripheral edgy yeah like like there's one page that i grabbed where Buddha's got the bag over his head because of the glowing. <laughs> and Jesus goes, the length of Tinky Bell's skirt is true to the movie, which was a very, a very funny idea to like de-glow him. So if you were like, if you were say one of the more extreme religions on the Christian side of things, and you saw that you'd be like, what? Like, no, like mm. Jesus wouldn't be even thinking about Tinky Bell's skirt. And its length. Yeah. Um, <laughs> tinky Bell. I, I, do, I do like that. <laughs> so it's like, it's, 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 there's, I mean, it's blasphemous just in the sense that you're, you're writing these characters as slackers. Yeah. Even though they're, they're kind. Like, they're, it's weird. Like, it is, I didn't get enough personality from them really to, mm. to even state if they were going in one direction or another, like it, it did play it safe in that way too. Yeah. That's so weird because finishing the, the hardcover in the second volume, totally different. Like they, I, I feel very differently about this book and their personalities and how well they were brought out. I think the Christmas story, man, this, I wish we had talked about this before we had the podcast. The Christmas story is such a good linchpin because it shows how both Jesus and Buddha in this story, not the, not Jesus and mm-hmm. Buddha, yeah. uh, approach situations uh and it informs like how the characters develop and move away from each other as a series as like the the, that volume progresses Mm -hmm. really yeah i guess i didn't 
I guess, yeah, I could see that the first volume is really just like establishing the the ground rules, establishing the world, you know, setting up what this is going to be. Because the other thing that's really good in the second volume, the running gags, <laughs> like the comedy duo stuff comes back. Mm-hmm. The cat that like crawls up onto the plate with the oh, matches the that's in the first half, <laughs> which is so good. They ruined that joke. Like, I don't know what they did in the translation or if she ruined it, but it comes back in the second volume. Uh, with when Jesus is like, uh, or Buddha's like, what do you want for your birthday dinner? And Jesus is like, well, people have turkey at Christmas. Like, maybe I could have a turkey. And he's like, no, I can't cook meat. And it's like, oh, that's kind of a funny yeah. joke. And then there's a knock at the door and Buddha checks it and it's a turkey with matches in its beak. And he's like, go away and slams the door. And there's just like turkeys outside the window waiting to sacrifice themselves for Jesus's birthday yeah. dinner. And it's just like, oh, yeah, there's a, okay. one, there's a scene with the turtle trying to go into the, the the pot of soup the to make Buddha better. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, that's something you couldn't have done if you hadn't set up that joke in the first volume, but they set up that joke in kind of an awkward way. Like the joke with the cats and the gr- crawling on the plate and stuff doesn't, didn't work, but I got what they were going for. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, that's mm-hmm. pretty good. But when it comes back the second and then the third time you're dying. And that's like, I think that's comedy. Like, I think that's just like you, you sell the like you like it builds and it builds and this this series is really long right David like really really long uh, like eleven volumes deep at this point twelve now Let's that's see. super long oh no but eighteen it's... whoa yeah so eighteen like, volumes yeah if you've got eighteen volumes to do gags like they're gonna build and build and build and build and build and build and build on themselves and then later it the later volumes they they start introducing more apostles oh really <laughs> oh, goodness yeah that's actually really good. Yeah, more <laughs> angels come down both from like the Buddhist side and the and the, the Christian side, and then yeah, like we get to meet Judas and all this, and then so that they, sounds, then that sounds get good. to play in all these jokes about the different apostles. Yeah, I think I think maybe I, I just needed other characters to be brought in, like you know the mm-hmm. kind of the yakuza throughout this. I I, yeah. I thought that was that was pretty funny, mm. but I I kind of just more I wanted more of that. Like I wanted them to kind of pal around with people and like, I just wanted to see different personalities in it. Yeah. You know? So yeah, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll check out volume two then. Like, like clearly I'm in the minority on this. If, it, if there are more payoffs and stuff in volume two, then I should, I should probably. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That out. The other character that comes in volume two is Jesus's t-shirt. Oh, it becomes a character. Yeah. Cause it's like, oh, really? you know, it plays off the, the, the shroud of Turin. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then he. Oh, that's he... Uh... <laughs> nice. He's working out. He wipes his face with his shirt, and it leaves an impression of his sweat-stained face on his shirt. And then it become it comes to life and becomes another character. That's actually. And then they, there's a like a last gag, like after the chapter ends with Buddha being unable to wash the shirt because it will like ob- obliterate this like living <laughs> miracle. <laughs> basically. <laughs> That sounds uh, good. Yeah. I, I like the book you guys are describing. Yeah. <laughs> but so, the book you read. Yeah. If you had bought one and two, Chip, you read one, you like you weren't super into it. Would you have carried on to volume two? Like out of fun? Uh, out of fun, no. But mm. I would have I would have needed this. I would have needed you three to tell me that it's good. Yeah. To keep 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 going with it and to overlook some of the things that I've might have problems with mm-hmm. mm. it becomes more fun when they travel around like i think in volume two he goes to akihabara to buy a rice pot mm. oh my god that has the best <laughs> best single best joke in the whole the whole book that i've read so sorry go ahead go ahead go ahead. 
So it's it's it, then it becomes then like a Japan travel log in a way, right? Because mm-hmm. they they start immersing themselves more into Japanese culture, and they go to like I think that's in volume one where they go to Asak- Asakusa, mm-hmm. where the they temple. have that big temple, and then Buddha gets all freaked out because he thinks, oh no, it's going to be like they're all going to recognize me and they're all going to worship me. Ah, I'm so uncomfortable. And then the the tourists come up and they're like, oh. You got to do this. You got to do this. And he goes, what? And he goes, make this pose. And he goes, okay, I'll make yeah. the sutra. I'll make the hand pose, right? And they go, no, no, like this. And it's like, they think he's a ninja. Yeah, it's like super <laughs> racist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If I had to compare it to an American comic, it's like getting an X-Men comic, not having grown up as an X-Men reader, with all everyone's favorite characters in there, like Maggot, yeah. Prodigy, whoever, whatever 90s characters that you latched <laughs> onto because you were 13 years old. Yeah. And then doing a bunch of good jokes about them. But if you don't have that foundation, I can see how it wouldn't uh, hit the same way. Yeah. Or if you're not I, interested I, in that, I, I should say. I, I feel like my issues with this are 75% just me mm. and my uh, bad brain. <laughs> and and only, only 25% actual proper critique of the content. Yeah, there's there some pages where I'm just like, I just get stuck. I just feel like, what what is this? Like, I don't understand the cotton candy on yeah, Jesus, attaching itself to Jesus' face, like I'm like, what? Like, am I missing something here? The this has come up a few times on the show, actually, where we'll read volume one, but like volumes two, three, or four are like the good ones, so to speak. Mm. Yeah, that's the Otsuba yeah. problem. That's what I thought this would be, but mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's because I was thinking about it, and it's like I think about my favorite jokes, and I've just been paging through because I didn't think of it as I thought it of as one. Like, I realized it was two volumes in Japan, but it never even occurred to me you guys would only read what would have been volume one. Mm-hmm. And it's like, most of my favorite jokes are in the second half. The one that I really like that's in the first half is Jesus is so happy that, and he's like, so into things that he keeps accidentally committing miracles. <laughs> so like, he turns his laptop, you know, clay bento into bread or, and then the when you flip the page and his crown of thorns finally blooms and it's just roses and there's like rose petals everywhere. Yeah. That was like. Oh, that is a that is a banger of a joke. Yeah. Also, a little sacrilegious, but uh, sacrilegious. yeah, but <laughs> sacrilegious indeed. But like all the other jokes that I like, think are in the second half. Like, okay, here's a joke. They go to the bathhouse, and Jesus is so happy he accidentally turns the like sento water into wine, <laughs> and then they him and the Buddha accidentally get a little tipsy. Uh, so they're sitting on the edge of the bath talking about how they're happy and talking about the good old days when they were like washing the feet of the apostles and stuff. And the Yakuza guy comes in and sees Jesus in this like blood red bath, blood covering him and everywhere, but it's wine. He doesn't know that. So he goes out and he goes to try to take the fall for Jesus and they start referring to him as the 13th apostle. <laughs> that's a good religious joke. Yeah, yeah that's pretty <laughs> like, good. <laughs> that's anyway. It's like no no he was you know it was me i did it those guys didn't do anything it's like <laughs> damn uh that's pretty good deb what was the best joke for you like what what clicked the best i mean the you know like i can usually sell people on this book by showing them the johnny depp joke mm. <laughs> like, one of several uh, points where this book is very 2006 yeah i mean you know it's like oh jesus goes to the convenience store and he comes back and goes hey all the school girls thought i looked like johnny depp <laughs> and then you know, Bruce is like oh I'm going to see if I'm popular too. And then he ends up being not as popular. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah. It ends up being, doesn't it end up going as well for him? Yeah. And I think that then that opens up this recurring theme, right? Where 
Jesus has a blog and Jesus kind of does all these things and he's really hip and with it. And then Buddha tries to like, oh, I'm going to see if I'm going to be popular in this era too. And he just somehow doesn't, he's only really popular with old people. <laughs> and then yeah. and then old people are like, oh, Buddha, you've come for me. I am ready to go meet my dead wife again. And so he basically deals with this fact that he's popular with old people. Yeah. Very <laughs> fatal kind of uh, deal. <laughs> Something that comes up in this book that I think actually relates to the sense of humor is uh, Manzai comedy, which is like uh, double act mm. stand-up comedy. I'm going to read straight from Wikipedia because it'll sum it up better than I can off the top right. of my head. Uh, Manzai usually involves two performers, a straight man and a funny man, trading jokes at great speed. Most of the jokes revolve around mutual misunderstandings, double talk, puns, and other verbal gags. If you follow Kieran Gillen and Jamie McKelvey on Twitter, that's like a Manzai duo. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> but this book has a lot of comedy like that where either character can be the straight man. Usually it's Buddha for the most part. Jesus is very uh, venal for a god. And it's <laughs> It's not super funny, but the reaction is what's supposed to elevate the humor, I think. They're very basic jokes, like very mm. basic wordplay, and then like someone gets slapped or told to stop. And there, it feels like there's a lot of stuff like that in this manga where it's, like Deb said, kind of a tour of Japanese culture in different ways. Mm. And I think the side effect of that is that sometimes you don't get at all what they're talking about. Like if you've never heard, if you don't know anything about the subway in Japan, Two guys hanging on the Buddha's ears who were drunk at the end of the night has like no resonance at all. But if you know about like Salaman yeah. culture and how rowdy they get on trains, it's different. Uh, this one had more jokes between the chapters, like the little single panels. Oh, mm -hmm. uh, what do you all think about that as a technique? Like one last punchline. Yeah, Way of the House Husband had that as well. Mm-hmm. It's fine. It's cute. Mm, it's, a, it's a nice way to to break things up, and basically just do single panel jokes. Yeah, yeah. I feel like some of the strongest mm. drawing was on some of those. Yeah. Do you have a favorite, David? I did. The one where Jesus is reading Buddha, and Buddha's freaking out and being like, "You're reading it wrong. Stop reading my books." <laughs> <laughs> like it's such a comic book fan thing, where like you know, if you recommend something, and Chip reads volume two, you're like, "No, like go back to volume one. What are you doing?" Yeah. Yeah. Very I enjoyed relatable. that part about that about Buddha too. Like he when he discovers o Osama Tezuka's Buddha, mm -hmm. and like he's like sobbing, like Tezuka's a genius. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that he's a manga fan. Yeah, one of the feelings from the personalities that I got from reading this actually was that it seems like Buddha almost had to learn to enjoy the fandom around him, for lack of a better phrase, while yeah. Jesus craves mm -hmm. it, which has certain theological implications yeah yeah for sure yeah, <laughs> yes yeah but also it means that jesus is much more comfortable around people while buddha is very like straight laced and i don't know it's an interesting combination and i can see how they would evolve as characters over the course of the series yeah mm. i really like the posters of mm. them <laughs> <laughs> yeah those are great especially like the, the buddha one like I'm probably reading it wrong, but maybe I re I'm reading it in a funnier way than might even be in intended. Mm -hmm. Like it kind of reads like like it's a bit of a like a fight poster. Like if he was actually like making like little fists. Oh, the bromides. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was born saying 
holy am I alone throughout heaven and earth. That's the one where I, I, I almost laughed out loud. I was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's really funny. Love it looks, yeah, it, it does look like those uh, Japanese political posters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it does look like mm. that. The big head and then some words on the side. <laughs> yeah, that stuff kills me. Whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn on to them the other. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and if that was a joke nowadays, it would just be like a meme. Like a, this yeah. is fine dog or something. Yeah. yeah. It's, so earlier I said this is very 2006. It's when it debuted as a gag comic, like a very timely, like ripped from the headlines. There's a lot of current events. And you could tell this because they mentioned Leah Dizon like three times in volume one, <laughs> who was a singer model actress who debuted around then. She went from doing like muscle car magazines to being famous in Japan. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> the Nintendo shout out when they completely oh, failed yeah. to win a real Nintendo DS. Yeah. Like there are bits of this where I can tell when it was made and some of the humor feels a little dated because of that. So I think that not that we have more sophisticated jokes now, but I think like, you know, comedy changes as time goes on. Yeah. And this is maybe a little more slapstick in a different way than we would get nowadays. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I, well, yeah, I, this goes into like the book as like an object that's coming out in 2019. Like this is kind of the, kind of how I was, I originally approached it. And I was surprised, especially in the second half to find how much I liked it because it does feel like there was a cultural moment around this book when it was being scanlated. And when the anime came out and stuff like that, that, was missed completely actually so did it make sense to go back and re-release this and i think that's a really interesting question um i uh i don't know like i'm glad i get to read it in a legal way i would never have probably picked it up in scans but yeah is this as a cultural artifact is this a cultural artifact even is it still literary like contemporary literature or is it out of date or i want to turn that back on you actually because you have a really good eye for business and branding like looking at the book like the actual physical Mm. object you have who would you say it's aimed at who is it designed for fans of the series honestly it feels it feels to me like this is for people who know what it is and it feels very safe like it's trying to hedge against people who don't know exactly what it is picking it up like it feels like oh here, here you go. Here's the fucking quote. Um, it feels l- produced in a less honest way than just like hentai, than just like porn. Huh. Like you look at the hentai that's coming out these days, and it's like this is what we are. Like this is it. They're, we're not hiding anything. Uh, the occasional black bar aside, although that's almost gone away completely thanks to digital drawing. Whereas this is like this is a two volume, like two in one volume in a hardcover with like. They toned down the cover, the like the sort of Japanese characters. I think we're in front of the characters on like a glossy kind of thing in the original. Mm-hmm. Full, it's got an introduction. It's full of notes. Like it feels like they're. This is probably a really funny, pulpy kind of a project, right? Like this is like you pick it up and you laugh, and it's like good-natured comedy. And actually, you would learn. You'll learn a lot about all of the things that like you learn a lot about Jesus and the Buddha and, and Christianity and Buddhism, at least so far as uh, it is understood by the author of this book. And this feels like, a like it's look, all right, we're going to give you the St. Young man you wanted. 
but we got to we got to take some steps. Mm-hmm. We got to be sure that the wrong people aren't going to be real upset about it. So here you go. You get a uh, twenty four ninety nine uh, hardcover version instead of getting the like ten dollar pulpy softcover version. And I get it. And it means that people who love this series truly love the series, and a lot of people do get to physically own it now, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Like I'm 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 not upset about that in any way. But it is, and they did a good job. Like it's got color pages in it, and it's got mid book color pages for it's the Christmas rare. issue. Whoa, which is really super and expensive. It's like you gotta you gotta paginate that. You gotta paginate that to figure out where you can insert a short color signature in between black and white signatures. That's like that's real. That's like a, someone took some real effort in this book. But all of that said, I don't know. But ultimately serves the kind of story you're being told and i don't know i don't know that you guys got that necessarily by picking it up digitally either because yeah. you don't you're not encountering the work the same way it just it looks like the same like weird little icon in ibooks or comiXology as every other book you've downloaded yeah, for the yeah. podcast but it feels like if this and, and i don't know and you know i'm saying all this but chips come to it coming into it thinking it's going to be the funniest book and he's just like you know i did not laugh out loud even once yeah. like maybe i'm totally off base but it feels the the content ended up feeling divorced from the physicality of the book, but at the same time, the content gets really good in the second mm-hmm. volume. Like this is where I thought it was going to go all Yotsuba, where it's like, yeah, you, you just needed to keep reading to get to the gun, the water gun fight scene, <laughs> and then you'd be set. Or you, you just got to read to volume three with B stars, and then you get to the egg salad, and then we're good yeah. to go. Like we are good. And I think it's, I don't know if it's a problem of manga exactly. I think it's a problem of North American publishers publishing manga. This book was probably $4, $6 in Japan, and it was serialized for two years before the first Tonkobon came out. Like, this is a book, it was 2006, but the first trade didn't come out until 2008. So, like, this is a book where you're picking it up, it's gags, it's whatever. Like, yeah, you could take it, you could take a risk for six bucks at the convenience store to see if you like it, or at Mandaraki, you could buy a used copy for like 100 mm-hmm. yen. And there's a lot less of a risk as a, as a reader. You know what I mean? And you don't take it as seriously. Is there is there a thing in manga publishing like like tr- traditional uh, kind of North American book publishers do the hardcover to the mm. softcover thing? Marvel and DC do the reverse, where they do like cheap single issues to trade paperback collections to hardcover. Mm-hmm. Like, do manga publishers have the kind of the size of an audience to make those kind of calls like could 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 this be the hardcover and then they put out the soft cover like six months later a year two uh, later not in the states probably in japan mm. probably definitely in japan actually um there's like several different formats for manga there uh there's like the tankoban which is more or less what we've been reading like graphic novels what is there bunkoban which is like a little bit bigger there's like archival sizes. Mm-hmm. There's like very tiny travel sizes. Mm-hmm. There's definitely variation in format uh, to be had. But for in American comics, generally two in one and a hardcover means it's some kind of archival fancy project. Yeah. What is yeah. it? Upspec, I think is the word. Like it makes it like a little bit more fancy than like your $10 graphic novel. It kind of yeah. speaks to like you're a, you're a different type of manga reader. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're a little more grown mm-hmm. up. Maybe you're... Uh, you got a little more. You're a little more sophisticated about it. I mean, I think like the the Devilman, and yeah, books are like that. Like the, it's kind of like we know that you're not like the casual manga reader. You're kind of like, you know, you know what this is, and you you're you're in for it. Yeah, but there's no way that the like Kodansha would 
now put out the the soft cover single volume. Unless it was a huge hit, I can't see it happening. Yeah. Yeah. I think the digital version might yeah. actually be that. Because looking at the cover from my digital edition, it's exactly as Chris describes the Japanese version. Or no, actually, they're in front of the letter, so oh. it is the same cover. Never mind. Yeah. But like the way, like I didn't know there were translation notes in an essay until the end of the book when I was reading it digitally. So it was just all gags for me from wall to wall and then the explanation, which is a rhythm yeah. that I'm much more used to. You know, given how afraid they were of publishing or the, or the you know, the common knowledge about that, there was the, the sense of, oh my God, what if we put this out and people react really to it? Do you feel like they overreacted? I think 2006 would have been a bad time for it. Um, I think at the time it was probably a little spicier religion-wise than it is nowadays. I think you can get away with a lot more. Like Lucifer is on six seasons on Netflix now. And I don't know if that would have... And that had protests, but never never to the degree that I think people were expecting. But I think it also, like, let's just be honest, people are racist. Like a Japanese person writing Lucifer Mm. and releasing Lucifer would have been responded to differently than maybe the white creative team of Lucifer that put it together originally so like is it is it just because people are is because the world is more on fire now and various groups are have different focuses are cool with jokes about religion in the u.s just speaking i guess north america u.s canada i think with regards to religion i think people are more open with speaking about like the uh horrible abuses and things like that in addition to kind of taking it a little less seriously I feel like as a kid, like mm. there's no way my folks would have let me watch a show called Lucifer. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. It, it, I mean, in Japan, like these, these religions coexist, right? Like, so yeah. Shinto and Buddhism, people, like, I think the thing is like you, you grow up and you go to these Shinto rituals mm-hmm. and when you die, you have a Buddhist funeral. And in between, you get married Christian. Yeah. <laughs> like, all your you never they know. treat it like, I mean, I used to call, tell people that my religion is I have, I'm a salad bar Buddhist. I, I take I take the spinach and the peas and the eggs, but I leave behind the baby corn. <laughs> you know, I can pick and choose what I like about baby it. corn is unnatural. So that's, <laughs> that's we, we could do a whole other half hour on that. But yeah, yeah. But you know, like I'm not all in, and I don't need to be all in. Mm-hmm. And so I think the same is true in Japan, and that's why you can have a book like that where they they can look at these religions like, oh, interesting. Haha, uh-huh, wouldn't it like they can treat it like a dojinshi? Like, yeah, what if Captain America got together with Superman and hung out for the day? How funny would that Sorry, be? Sorry, let me, I gotta take some notes here. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of kind of how, you remember like the peak of Hamilton fever? And there was that level of like, oh, can you believe they're doing rap music with the founding fathers? But in Japan, mm. there's an anime where a young girl is reincarnated, is the reincarnation of Noda Obanaga. And turns into like a superhero, basically. Uh, and it's called yeah. Nobu Gun because she turns into a gun. And, <laughs> and that's a, wow. this is a popular trip because there's Oda no, Cinnamon Oda, Oda Nobunaga. Where oh, where he's like the little dog? A, a dog. Yeah. <laughs> and then he meets all the other famous Japanese generals, and they're all also dogs, and they're all like, mm, they're trying to be like stern and. You know, yeah. all, all this, it all depends on how big a thing gets, too. Like, you know, Hamilton mm-hmm. was big. Yeah. And so yeah. You, you draw a lot more attention. If Hamilton was a comic book, it would have no attention here. 
It might have been a comic book at some point. Uh, there were, yeah, mm. there were talks. Yeah. I mean, I bring Jeez. up like like Sengoku Basaro, like mm. like like oh, Sengoku yeah. Basaro is basically making t- turning these famous Japanese historical figures into hot guys, mm. and they fight. And they fight. Ooh. fight. Sorry, they literally only exist to generate doujinshi. I actually worked on a couple of books because Udon published the manga. The <laughs> manga are actually really good, uh, like weirdly good. Like you had this tie-in thing that's just about hot guys. You just went for it good. Mm. Like it's great. But yeah, I think there's a different, hmm, I think there's a different situation in Japan where people will just take parts of different cultures and tell stories about mm. them because at the end of the day, like they don't feel like it hurts that original story in any way to tell an interpretation and the biggest thing to come out of japan since akira was evangelion and evangelion is steeped in christian mythology and we're not just talking like going to church on sunday christianity but like dead sea scrolls digging back in like abrahamic religions christianity is all over that like weird weird shit that they have like dug up to tell this story about a dude being a shitty dad and making his kid pilot a robot that is actually the reincarnation of his mother it's a whole thing. Anyway, long story short, this is like 100% in keeping with how religion and all kinds and history and how kinds of well, important historical topics, important cultural topics are handled in, in Japanese pop culture. But it is pretty rare here. So I, I get, I understand the impetus. I understand every aspect of this book, but I, I would be lying if I said it didn't hurt my enjoyment of it on some level. And I think I kind of wish I had maybe read the digital and read, well, I, I, you know, if I missed the Christmas story in the second half, which was way better, I'd probably be more <laughs> upset about it. But uh, yeah, I kind of wish I'd read it in a, like a less, in a pulpier way. Although the paper on this is good. Like it's not, I don't know. That's just a pull quote. There's a the book that came <laughs> out today great. called Ya Boy Kong Ming. I was curious about that. I don't know about this. It's the one where a, the general of the three kingdoms gets, dies and says, I want to be reborn in some place peaceful. And then he gets transported to Shibuya, where he where he meets up with these people who are DJs and hip hop, you know, and rappers, and he gets into party culture and he starts learning how to use the turntables and yeah, man, that yeah. sounds great. <laughs> then he meets other heavenly beings who are also so. So maybe this is like um, what is that that what is that one about angel like the angel and the devil come to oh, modern day all and. Yeah, we all. I can't pronounce it, but it's E N I A L E. Oh, is that the witch? Yeah, is that the Atelier uh, witch Kamobi hat. Shirahama? Yeah, that's her. That's her other book. Yeah. No, but the I mean the the American TV series. Oh, I don't know. But Good Omens. You yeah. <laughs> oh, based again. There you go. That's the second game in property we've mentioned this go. episode without mentioning game. What was the first one? <laughs> Sandman in the last one. Oh, well, I he, think of that as my kid. And American Peter Gods is another I know, one. I know. It's kind of barely gaming, really, but yeah. American Gods is pretty much that, too, right? Like the, oh, yeah. American the gods, gods come back to yeah. America, come come to the modern day. and Yeah. That's I all think... Sandman. <laughs> yeah, wait a second. Is Neil Gaiman a one-trick pony? Is that, is that what we're uncovering here? <laughs> Save it for Gaiman's planning. Come to think of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> But um, I think that does, oh, I forgot about American Gods, I forgot about Good Omens. That does show that there's kind of, we're getting more comfortable having these conversations in public or seeing entertainment based on these things that are very close to us. So hopefully this will mm. find its place. I mean, don't you think that's a kind of a hopeful message that 
like that Buddha and Jesus are basically just besties from other teams and they hang out yeah. at the con after the con and drink. But I love like, that they're like, oh, these shrine gods are so annoying. Like they're going <laughs> to smirk at us if they find out we were hanging out here. Yeah. <laughs> That's something else. This is, I'm going to wrap it up oh. in a sec, but the suggestion of like a greater constellation of gods and all their attendant like foibles is something that I enjoy a lot. Hopefully like it's factored into the series as time goes on. Yeah, that's something I'd like to see too, even if yeah. I don't continue it. Like it seems like a fun idea. Mm, it is. I can say absolutely it is, because I've read <laughs> I kept reading. No, for real. I think, yeah, I, I that first volume, this the the first half of this, this is this is a shitty thing to say. I apologize to the translators, but I actually was reading it going, Yeah, translating humor really is hard, isn't it? And that was like that is a truism in translation. It's a truism in manga, especially where like things that we've mentioned on the series that are that are manga that are humor manga have basically been rewritten from scratch and have nothing to do with what's in the word balloons almost at all anymore, uh, just because the jokes literally yeah. don't translate, especially Mansai humor yeah. or Rakugo, uh, because there's a Rakugo book out from from Tatsumi, uh, and it's just like that's a shitty thing to think, but also it's true. And then by the time the second volume rolls around, and everyone who's working on the series just feels a little bit more comfortable with it. I think that the second volume, which is to say the first half of this, this mm-hmm. hardcover I've got just, just clicks in a different way yeah. in the same, in the same way as when I read maybe B stars volume end of volume two, beginning of volume three, or when we read Yotsuba volume two, it's the kind of thing where, yeah, man, and actually chip, I, I know you wanted to maybe wrap up, but I want to actually get chips yeah. thoughts on this because you talked about on an older episode, I can't remember what episode it was, but you talked about runway where creators in japan seem like they have a longer runway to build up a story and none of us challenged you or interrogated that idea at all and i think it'd be really interesting because i think manga production really is very very different than the north american comics production i wanted to get your take on that and how you feel it might apply here i mean uh, how many volumes is this 18 it's 18 18. volumes so like in North American comics, like you're you're kind of lucky if you get like five issues of a thing out, really. So like your runway is your runway is several projects deep, and not just one project, right? Mm. Like like you mm. like even still like you know like like Wave Listen to Me was a follow up project on a, a huge thing in a in a different genre. That didn't feel like it it needed the runway. Like it kind of it kind of hit the ground pretty strong, I think, because that creator kind of knew what they were doing going in. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I mean, like, I don't know if the art gets better on this one. Like, does it? Like a little bit, but I'm pretty sure, sorry, if you look at the last, if you look at the first page and the last page, this is a manga where she has improved in drawing this over the course of the series pretty consistently. Like that last story at the shrine is real different than that yeah. first 10 page mm-hmm you know yeah. test chapter so i think it's it probably tightens up as as it goes for sure i mean i haven't yeah so that's the thing i mean i think most most comic writers and artists get a lot better over the course of like maybe five years and then they're kind of locked in at that state in terms of mm-hmm. like runway so yeah i mean yeah Clearly, it works in, in the Japanese market, and I, I think maybe audiences may, might be more forgiving or more like kind of understanding that the thing is going to get better as it goes. Whereas, you know, 
there are, there are some cases in North American books where it, it doesn't get better because we're only counting on getting like five issues. Like, I don't know if Sex Criminals got better after issue five, frankly. Like, you know, I think so. Mm. What was the second arc of Sex Criminals? The second arc was dealing with the character's depression. Yeah. Like, 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 because we didn't know we were going to make it past three issues, mm-hmm. let alone five. And once we realized that, then all of a sudden we're like, okay, well, what do we do? And like, it became a very different thing. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I, I don't know if it actually, I mean, I think technically it, it, it may have got better, but overall maybe it didn't hit the high marks of the first trade. Mm-hmm. I think you find that a lot, frankly, in, in kind of the North, North American comics market, where sometimes that first collection of five, six issues is actually sometimes the strongest in a yeah. lot of ways, even if technically it might get better. Whereas so far with the, the manga mm-hmm. we've, we've looked at with the long running series, like it seems very clear that it starts out rougher and, and gets more refined and better. And they kind of figure out what they're doing more so yeah. as they go along. Like the, also the, I mean, these are gag style for the most part or, you know, uh, episodic. So they're not laying down track for like a larger story, but they're discovering the story as they go along. So that's yeah. what kind of makes it tighter. Mm-hmm. I wonder if the system in Japan is also part of it because like editors, for example, have a lot more speaking generally, like some creators, it doesn't apply, but editors have like a lot more power. Like they'll say, no, like this is not good enough. Like go back and do it again. Yeah. There's assistance, like where you're basically mm-hmm. working as hopefully an apprentice to a more experienced artist before you get your debut. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting to think about. I like that we've read Nozaki-kun now, so we can be like, oh, how he hated his first editor. It was just a self-absorbed creep, <laughs> and he likes a second editor who's just like, this is good, fix this, and then just disappears out of the, yeah, uh, the manga icon. when he's not needed. Oh, I, I, I haven't even... I, I a... <laughs> is that your platonic ideal, David? Pretty much, just like... <laughs> Not to be rude about it, but just like, hey, here's what we're trying to do. Can you just do this? And then they send it back. They did it. And like, good to go. Everybody's happy. Uh, the dream. Yeah. <laughs> just trust uh, everyone to do their job. Like, that's it's creativity's <laughs> easy, right? You know, this is this is going off track a little bit, but Nozaki Kun. Yeah. I had homework. My homework was to watch it. Oh, ah. right. And once again, I very much disagree with the panelists here. <laughs> it is nowhere near as good as the comic. Really? I did not care for it. <laughs> <gasps> Interesting. I mean, and I don't know if it's because like I knew the jokes going in. Mm-hmm. Like, by, because I, I did mm-hmm. it in the reverse way. Also, and I can't tell if it's misogyny or racism on my part, mm-hmm. but I cannot stand the voices that are being put on <laughs> Japanese or English Japanese. Oh, like it's, it's all, it's all, it's all, That's... it's all subtitled, but it's just like, it's just, there's this like grading over the topness to it all, which I, I, I tend to have problems with that. Even with North American animation, mm. like as soon as you take an actor and you put them in the booth, all of a sudden they're talking like this for some reason. <laughs> like, like, what are you doing? We have got to do a whole episode of a podcast where you talk like that. I've been oh saving every God. clip where Chip talks Just... like that for like five seconds each show. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your ringtone? Yeah. episode. I, know, I, I feel like the, the, the male characters in the show, they all talk like this. And then the mm. women characters, 
they all talk like this, ah, and everything's just like crazy and just over the top. And I'm like, and I can handle it in text, mm-hmm. but I can't mm-hmm. handle the, the the sound of it. And, and you haven't uh, watched much anime, right? I have not. Interesting. So I yeah. think that's another one of those things where you just accept it because that's how it is. You yeah, know, like I can not, see that. Like the very there's a specific register of cute voice that like really grates on me because I'm like I don't need like the baby voice like it's too much. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if that yeah. like that's me or like a North American thing or what. Yeah. No, but that's a Japanese thing. Like there was a TikTok I saw and I wish I had saved it, but it was mm. a, a Japanese woman speaking in Japanese, and then she immediately switches and speaks in English, and she's like on one or two octaves lower. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I love that mm. meme of uh. Like, there's like the professional Japanese voice then like talking to your friends in English and mm-hmm. it's like she's a broad girl in English but in Japanese she's very prim and proper yeah like it's it's mm. apparently much more it's desirable and acceptable to speak in a much higher voice if you're female like mm. high, like super high like so when I go to Japan I feel like I'm like I'm like James Colburn or something. You know? like, <laughs> like, 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 do they think I'm a guy? Because I'm like, I'm speaking like really compared to like, ah, so does Kana. No, 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 no. I'm not even. And I'm like, hi. <laughs> What's, <laughs> What's that? that? <laughs> well, all right. Final thoughts. Uh, Deb, let's start with you. We'll go Deb, Chris, and then Chip to uh, right. close it out. I think this is an interesting thing that we're coming across here with manga explaining is that maybe you know, whenever we're, I recommend manga to people, I just say, just go read it. Mm-hmm. But I never, now I'm being much more conscious, like, oh, you got to actually read volume one, two, and three to really get why this is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, I'm trying to be a little bit more mindful of that. I, I normally recommend Tate Young Men to people who like are looking for like something that's kind of high concept and goofy. Mm-hmm. One thing I love about manga is manga teaches me stuff that I didn't know, but I, I I see everyone's point that maybe that teaching should have come at the end of the book, and you just should have just <laughs> enjoyed it just as this like, oh, this is kind of weird. Okay, yeah. but I you know, like I I loved in earlier episodes, Chip, like what I'd say, is this kind of Japanese? And did you get it? And he's like, duh, context, context, context. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I wish the. I wish this book trusted me like that too. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Explaining yeah. the three wise men, like it feels so common to me. But yeah. Uh, Chris, what did you think? I think I'm with Deb, but I, I, I know we talked a little bit last episode about how I'm picking the books that I'm picking to recommend to, to chip on this podcast. And I would, I just realized after I finished this book, I finished it just as Andrew came home from work. I'm like, you've got to read this because I, it didn't even occur to me that he would read the first, you know, three or four stories and kind of bounce off of it because the, like the humor is not quite where it is when I just finished reading it. You know what I mean? Like, I think we pick and choose our memories of things. And I think back to, especially when I was a bookseller, the things that I recommended that ended up being really big hits, like hitting with people. And it's about knowing your audience and knowing what they like. And I think, you know, we're all guessing at what Chip's going to like. He's liked some stuff that I thought was like I'm an enigma. crazy. And then he's, <laughs> you are. he's like, this fun. <laughs> some stuff that, uh, <laughs> so I think that's fascinating. I, it, I think we've gotten questions about that on the show, like in the, in the, on Twitter and on the uh, show notes on the blog and stuff where it's just like, yeah, you guys keep reading books that uh, don't get good for a little while. What's that about? You got to knock it out of the park. And it's like, 
Deb comes through with Bride Story yeah. or something like that. Or, you know, and it's like, oh, here we go. Like, here we go. This is not her first work. This is her, like, 11th overall volume of manga. And she knows what she's doing. Oh, she's, she's, she's way, she's so good. Yeah. So good. Colin Mori is so good. I wonder about that just in general. I wonder about how this comes across sometimes and whether or not it's people <laughs> who, like, who have read it and are like, what did you guys like about that? And it's like, oh, volume two, not volume one and two and three. And sometimes they'll even put like, we're recording Beastars one, two, and three, not just number one. And I think about this, like, I actually really liked this by the time I got to the end, but I don't think I would have been in the same place if I had just finished volume one. And that's actually like, same thing with the owner of the dawn where I finished volume one. I'm like, I don't know. And then I went and I had the digital in front of me. So I just read two and three and I'm like, oh yeah, this is great. Totally get this now. And I wish I had done that maybe with wave. Listen to me. Cause I think that that was something where I was just starting to get into the rhythm of it at the end of the first volume, but didn't click. And then I watched the anime and it was even worse. <laughs> Somehow, <laughs> uh, it really like put me off. So yeah, I don't know. I think, I think it makes the whole idea of this show interesting in a way. And it's something maybe we'll think about in future, but yeah, if you're going to go with it, make sure you read at least the first two volumes. And I don't think you'll be disappointed. Uh, if you like, you know, comedy, if you're not into comedy, also have a good sense comedy. of humor about Jesus. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I don't mind like, if, if, if one time in the future we just went like, oh, yeah, we're going to do this book. Let's start on volume three. I've actually been trying to find a book to do that with, by the way. Hmm. JoJo's. <laughs> I actually I like being dropped in the middle of things, sometimes mm-hmm. even more than having to go through the beginning stages of the thing. Like, so as an example, my wife and I started watching Man in the High Castle. Mm. And the first episode was really good. And then episode two was uh, just terrible. And I was like, I'm out. And she kept watching it because uh, what else are you going to do in the pandemic? Mm. And I'll come in every like four or five episodes and watch it. And I enjoy it more because I'm actually piecing together a mystery of it a little bit. And it's not as like kind of hit over the head. I'm like, oh, who is that guy? He's yeah. saying this, but what does that mean? Like my wife knows exactly. And she's bored senseless by it. <laughs> and I'm actually kind of interested. Until it gets kind of stupid again. But yeah, so I mean, we can, if you guys can think of anything that, you know, kind of clicks at like volume three, volume four, whatever. And I don't, I don't mind jumping ahead and trying something out. Yeah. Actually, you know, a lot of manga, you'll, I don't know if this happens in all manga, but like sometimes in the later volumes, it'll start off with a spread of all the characters. I love that. One piece has to do that. (laughs) And it'll give you a a brief synopsis of what has happened before this book. Yeah. So possibly we could dump you into a book. Like, let's put you into Demon Slayer Volume 4, because that's after the the sad part and into the kicking ass part. I've been (laughs) looking for that part, so that's good to know. I'm almost there. (laughs) Interesting. All right. Uh, Anyways, my, my, my final thoughts on this are, as is usually the case when I kind of disagree with you all, By the end of the episode, I'm just like, hmm, actually, maybe it is pretty good. Peer pressure works. Yeah, kind of. Like, so sometimes even just like reminiscing about a thing makes you realize mm. that you maybe enjoyed it more than you think you did. Mm. Like, I should also, you know, preface, I should have prefaced all this by saying I'm, I, I've had a very tiring uh, week. So every <laughs> time I went to read this, I would fall asleep. So it was like three sessions to get through this for me. And part of me was like, well, this is not that good if it's not keeping my attention. But also I'm just like, wow, you just worked a 14-hour day, buddy. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so I I should give volume two uh, another try. Maybe down the line we can revisit this one. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. 
I like your example of Man in the High Castle because I've seen six episodes of Game of Thrones and three of them were the last three. Oh. Uh, so... <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> yeah, I'm right with you. Like sometimes it's really thrilling to be like, what is going on and why is all of it exciting? While your friends yeah. are like just weeping in the corner of the room. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's a pretty extreme scenario. Like, yeah. St. <laughs> <laughs> Youngman, Hikaru Nakamura, I really enjoyed it. I think I'm more in the target audience than Chris feels he is. Uh, most mm. of the Bible jokes I got off the top, the, some of the Buddhist yeah. jokes I didn't get as much, as quickly, but I kind of got the gist. Like, animals love them. Easy. I get it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it so is, much they want to throw them on the plate. <laughs> yeah, like the drawing of that cat on the plate is also one of the funniest things in the book. <laughs> Going it's the not notes. a good drawing of the cat, but like it's no. the right drawing for that joke. <laughs> okay, yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, translating humor is incredibly tough. Athena Nibley, Alethea Nibley. Deb, you said they're a sister translation team? They're twins. Twins, really? That's yeah. pretty awesome. They did the Sailor Moon translation. I've met them and they they team up like and they take turns doing stuff. So they yeah, I team. bet doing comedy with it with someone to bounce ideas off of is a lot easier than translating it yourself mm. and then an editor going in and punching it up after. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. This was also lettered by Lise Blakesley, who is quickly becoming, I think, the manga explaining MVP. Uh, nice. She did Yona of the Dawn, a bunch of other stuff. We should actually have like a running tally of the translators and letterers that we cover on the show. We can go back and do, I can go back and do that. Yeah. Put that on the, uh, it'll be some between season show notes or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it sounds good. All right. So we're going to take a break for some advertising, I assume. And then we'll come back. Chris has a question that we're going to read that's going to knock your socks off. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome back. That was yet another advertising break. You've had 18 or 19 of those now. You know how they go. We've got Q&A time. Chris, do you want to start us off? We got a question a little while back, actually, that was uh, on the website, on the show notes, and it was. It was on the one where I was talking about Scholastic Book Club version of Yotsuba. So it was Yotsuba episodes a little while back. Uh, it's from KC. They say, I have a question for Christopher. He talked about the Scholastic Book Club version of Yotsuba and said it was a Scholastic Book Club's first ever manga, maybe one of the very first graphic novels from outside of it, but then he doesn't finish that sentence. Were there other manga in the Scholastic Book Club? I vaguely re- recall seeing one or two, 
but it was so long ago that I could just be imagining it. It was very interesting to hear him talk about the edits they made. Now, I actually went to the the source, the person that I knew that was doing book club manga back in the day. His name is Scott Robbins. He worked at Scholastic, and he was one of the sort of people that helped consult on and put together the graphics line before it even started. So we're talking 2004. So in as much as my memory is a little hazy, I hope everyone will forgive me, but uh, he's like, yeah, I can't remember. I know that Yotsipa was on there, but so his exact quote is, I think one of the first books was Yu-Gi-Oh! And there was some significant backlash about it because it featured someone putting a cigarette out in a cat's eye, if I remember correctly. I do think Yotsuba did eventually make it onto book clubs, but I don't recall Cheese Sweet Home. I think Shaman King was also on book clubs at one point. This is interesting because like, Yotsuba was the one that I remembered because they had to cut out the whole jumbo you know being a goof chapter like well, they, sexy times well, they, situation because otherwise they it's also a, cut out yotubo putting out her cigarette on that cat's eye too that's really weird <laughs> must be the same guy that's only in the japanese edition <laughs> yeah we, that's, we should look for that in the show notes no don't it's not real but yeah Yu-Gi-Oh. everyone thinks of so so scholastic book clubs would always have these tie-ins right where you would get like a thing so you'd get a book and a pencil or whatever and that would help so, like a pencil topper or race or something so yeah, I think Yu-Gi-Oh came out and had like it was the volume one that Biz did from when like, Shonen Jump debuted in North America, which is maybe 2003, and it came with a free Yu-Gi-Oh card. If anyone remembers from back in the day, the shrink wrap card, and it's so it was like a big deal. Like Yu-Gi-Oh's hot. You've got these cards, except the manga, the the card part of the manga starts like I don't know, 15 or 20 volumes in or something like that. At the beginning, it's life or death, games of chance between a like a little boy who's like a little nerd who's like possessed by like an ancient Egyptian deity that likes to like bet his own life against people. And then if he wins, gives them like cruel and horrific punishments. And every chapter would be like a different game that they would play. It is a very different series than the card battling situation. Although the card, like Yu-Gi-Oh, even in the card battling situation has some crazy shit. Like, I, I mean, I can't believe this is for kids, but so is, to the north star at the time so what are you gonna do right <laughs> people change things change but shaman king is it's interesting that scott mentioned shaman king because that was on book clubs and shaman king probably outside of maybe full metal alchemist suffered the most censorship of any shonen jump series ever because the mangaka of shaman king liked to just draw giant fucking weed uh leaves in the background of panels as a design element because he was really into American culture. <laughs> so, like, characters in like baggy clothes, always wearing giant headphones, like we're all wearing right now, but also just like weed leaves everywhere. And they're like, that has nothing to do with the story. There's no marijuana in the story. But, and this is also in the early 2000s and like the moral panic around, around pot. So, yeah, they had to, I know the Shonen Jump retouch and lettering department had to take a lot of weed out of Shaman King. And that actually made it onto clubs mm-hmm. once you got all the weed out. So, there you go. It's, you know, Books when they brought into different situations get edited for different audiences, and that and book clubs is a big, big, big part of that. That could be its own podcast. Maybe if maybe if there's a, a a kids book or a kids manga podcast at some point, that would be a good one to talk about all the editing that's happened and unscathed. So stay books. tuned for Lil Manga Explaining, uh, <laughs> our, our new podcast. That wasn't really a group question though it was just like a me following up on a previous question. So thank first off, thanks Scott. Second, do we have another question? I have a question for you about this in that. Oh, no. um, (laughs) In that Kodansha just recently announced that they're reprinting all of Shaman King, both the original uh, version and the various spinoffs that came afterwards. 
Has anyone read it and seen whether they've uncensored it? I have no idea. The original no Shaman idea. King, I think, are still the Viz editions. I need to go back and see if the sound effects were retouched, but like the editing they had to do for like the racial stereotype is not in it. So I assume it's mm. the old editions. Interesting. But the new stuff, who knows? So you mean the you mean the unedited, like the like the Japanese editions? They went back to those files. Or no, I assume they went back to the Viz files for the original run of Shaman King. Uh, but for the new stuff, I imagine there will be a bunch of weed leaves, just in general. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is the kind of stuff that manga fans bring up as a justification for scan for reading scanlations. Like, mm-hmm. oh, the American mm-hmm. stuff so censored, and it's like. Sometimes it's stuff like that happened 20 years ago. Yeah. But in now, the, the, the correct connection I'm trying to make between now is like, was all this censorship because of Scholastic Book Clubs? Ooh. No, no, absolutely not. Like a lot of that was done in-house at like Viz. Like, no, I mean like trying to get into Scholastic those. Book Clubs. Oh yeah, sorry. So that's, yeah, that was ADV at the time oh. actually. It wasn't even the Yen Press editions. So absolutely. It, like, this is an open secret, but if Scholastic comes to you and says, we want to do a book club edition, the minimum print run on that is 70,000 copies or was once upon a time, like sometimes up to 100,000 copies. You're not going to say no on that because at the worst case scenario, even if you end up losing money, having to like price it down for the book clubs, you still just sold 100,000 people the first volume of your ongoing series. That, that, that's a way of seeding the market. It's like how free comic book day, you give away the first comic book for yeah. free. Or there's a lot of digital stuff that, you know, first volumes will be either free or on Comixology Unlimited or Viz just gave away on every platform but their own Demon Slayer Volume 1. Like, you're seeding the audience so that you sell the volumes down the road. Absolutely, that makes sense to me. And I don't think, I think going to Japan and asking for those kinds of changes, unless it's attached to, we're going to sell 100,000 copies if you let us mm-hmm. do this, generally you get a no. But in that case, you probably get a yes. The Full Metal Alchemist censorship was, we talked a little bit about this in the episode, around religious iconography. I think Edward gets crucified at one point on a, like, a legit Oh, there's a cross. lot of crucifixions in anime. Yeah, and so in the Viz editions, I remember they very clearly took the cross like, and just extended the line. So instead, it, he was crucified on a slab of concrete <laughs> instead of the cross. So that was okay. X-Men style? Crucified a little bit. Yeah, X-Men. Oh, sorry. The X is the St. Andrew's cross, which is yeah. a whole other thing uh, if, if jesus was crucified on a slab then <laughs> all these necklaces and rosaries would be so heavy right wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah. like poor I was, I I've, I've wondered about some of this because like uh, for example tokyo revengers which is super popular right now i've always wondered mm. why like and and could not just been publishing it for a little while digitally and i thought they knew the anime is coming out it's super popular in japan how come they're not ahead of this and scheduling print editions and I'm always wondering if one of the reasons why is that the main protagonist gang is called Tokyo Manji Gang. Mm-hmm. And Manji is basically that symbol that looks like a swastika. Which they also uh... photoshopped out of uh, Blade of the Immortal. They would have little author's notes. Because he would sometimes... The Blade of the Immortal guy used to do very beautiful two-page spreads of people getting cut by swords. And sometimes into <laughs> designs. And I think at one point, it's like a manji symbol, like a huge, giant, like reverse swastika, basically. Yeah, which is a Buddhist, a is a Buddhist symbol. Yeah, there's always that note. It's like, this is not what you think it is. Don't, <laughs> don't talk to us at all. So it's, it's tough, right? Because what, what are they going to do? I mean, do mm. they want to, do mm. they want to explain it? Maybe they'll release it in a 
bound up two volume hardcovers <laughs> that no one would be interested in the youth punk manga picks it up sorry that's not fair i i get it i i also like if you told me yeah we've got this hot series that's coming out and it's about like old style bosuzoku gangs from like the eight like no one that is not a hot genre of like you know, like t- like schoolboy toughs with pompadours from like no, the but they 80s. don't have pompadours. They're they're all cute guys. Uh, I've seen those character designs. He's doing his best to get a contemporary pompadour <laughs> in there. Uh, that lead character's blonde hair is very yeah. tall. But that said, I can't like that's not a popular genre. Like schoolyard fights, even with that like little click. So yeah, we'll put it out on digital. We'll see if it actually picks up. Now that it's picked up, they'll probably release it in trade. It seems kind of smart to me, but it also seems like I I, I see where you're coming from. But if you had asked, like when you said, I'm really into Tokyo Revengers, and I looked it up for the podcast notes, I don't know, right, right, weeks right. ago or whatever it was now, I was just like, really? Like, actually, you're into this? Because it looks, it does not look like it's, doesn't look like it's for me. It doesn't look like it would ever be successful either, but shows what I fucking know. <laughs> uh, people like, people like the, the boy like gang. you said that after answering a question at length about book fairs and things like that. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm full of contradictions, <laughs> David. I know it's a I know it's a I know uh, it's a, it's a show that caters to fujoshis or like female fans. Mm. When there's an animate cafe that has all the characters on different collectible cards. Oh, they want to make a lot of money. Yeah, they're going to make <laughs> some money on that. Deb, you want to do our final question? So, Bo, who is Hot Spring Summer on Twitter, sent us a question. Where is there a place manga will not go? Follow-up question. Have you read a manga about that place? <laughs> That's interesting, right? Because mm. we just talked about things that manga goes that mean that American publishers say, "Ah, uh-uh, you can do that in Japan, but we're not going to publish it here." Mm-hmm. But in Japan, is there like subjects that are just like the third rail, like don't touch it? We're never going to make a book about this subject. Does anyone I, know? I don't think so, because even just on this show alone, we've talked about books about. Boxing, schoolgirls rapping, capoeira, sex island, like making manga, things like that. There's pretty much no genre, no subject matter even that manga won't go to. There's history manga that was by Shigeru Mizuki, like Showa, things like that. Uh, There's really like gross, horrible porn manga that's like way violent and out of pocket, (laughs) uh, which is fine. Like no kink shaming. It's just makes me feel weird. (laughs) (laughs) i really think like just like in the u.s like once you get outside of like the kind of corporate publishers for lack of a better word like comics can be about anything it can be about feelings it can be about adhd it can be about like a flower you saw in the basement and i think manga is the same thing well how about Mm. when we did the oshimbo episode you guys talked about how the fact they were basically canceled or went on hiatus whatever because of the uh fukushima stuff so would 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 japanese governmental kind of topics be a thing or like it depends on who you make mad when you do it i think yeah because there's a there's this uh i watched the animation there's also a manga called gate which is basically the japanese uh self-defense force goes to narnia tolkien land where there's like fairies and stuff on a peacekeeping mission and yeah I was like, oh, this is a kind of a funny idea. I'll watch a few episodes of this. And then like 10 episodes in, I realized, wait, this is like a nationalist fantasy. Yeah. And so I think mm. even 
like that didn't seem very controversial amongst like the the fandom necessarily in Japan. Mm. A lot of Americans oh. were like, "Wait, I don't know." <laughs> this, this is I, going to weird. I places. think I know a subject that would that manga wouldn't touch, and maybe I'm wrong, and I'd love to be wrong. Mm-hmm. But I think Korean comfort women during oh. World War during World War Two, I think mm. is is a hot is a too hot to handle topic. It would definitely. What is that? Water. You want to explain? <laughs> I was gonna. I can boil it down to basically Japanese war crimes during World War II that they don't really admit ever happened necessarily. Gotcha. That's yeah. very very compressed. Like, please Google this and don't quote manga explaining. Yeah, it's yeah. gonna be sick about Korean women who were taken as sex slaves to, to mm-hmm. pleasure the Japanese troops. Oh Jesus! All right. Yeah. And the Japanese government largely disowns that. <laughs> and whenever there's like statues memorializing these women. Japanese government vigorously protests it. Mm-hmm. I think there's been a movement mm. in the in the recent years to have apologies for that, but I think it's still considered quite controversial. In Japan, there is a nationalist conservatives uh, in power, mm-hmm. yeah. so there's that aspect of it. I don't think people talk about that aspect of Japanese politics very much. Japanese school books, for example, yeah. very much wash over what happened in Manchuria. Mm-hmm. There's things about Japanese history that Jap- Japan doesn't want to own up to, but you know that sounds really rich coming from a man- an American, right? <laughs> who just found yeah. out about the Tulsa, uh, yeah, massacre, right? The residential schools here in Canada, yeah. Residential schools in yeah. Canada, literally this week. It is, yeah. It, there's, hmm. I don't think that you can't tell manga about that story. I think. Grass was a book that John and Quarterly just put out by a Korean manhwa author. Uh, for, but like it's even then, that's Korean art comics. Like that's a very small publisher in Korea, and it did really well here. I don't even think it's like a shouldn't thing. I think it's like when it, what yeah. would that manga look like, especially coming from a mainstream publisher? It's like picking a scab, and people don't want to go near it. Mm. Uh, it yeah, it's, I think that's an interesting. Uh, so I, I, I'm sure somebody has done a comic about it, but I don't think there's going to be a mainstream comic about it. No, yeah, and it might already exist as well, and maybe it would not be on the correct side of history either. I did Google to see if there was comics about stuff like this, and the first result was one where they were like, "Yeah, this was really mean and ugly, and started like an anti-Korean movement in Japan, or played upon like an anti-Korean movement." So, yeah, yeah because then it can be turned into like anti-Korean. Yeah propaganda yeah and there's a lot of very unpleasant things about japanese politics mm-hmm. you know people who are korean don't have full citizenship for example yeah so yeah probably a heavier answer yeah. than the question <laughs> where's manga afraid but, to go uh, i mean i've seen manga where i'm like like <laughs> uh, like the moroso hero stuff we talked about uh, panorama island to me that was like whoa yeah i mean mm-hmm. That's hardcore gore. That's a really yeah. shocking and hard to take. I've seen Shota like, and Lolicon mm. stuff that make me kind of queasy. Mm. <laughs> but I have American sensibility mm. about such things. I'm not glossing that in the show notes. Please don't. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think, <laughs> I think that there, mm, it's really interesting too because I got into, uh, I, was, I, I fell down a research hole because Deb mentioned like, six things back to back in the span of 10 seconds that i had to like write about in the show notes this week usually that's my fault but sorry thank you, Deb. 
but it was like the the John Trumbo Johnny got his gun into the Metallica one, but also the Caterpillar story by Rompo, and I was just like, all right, here we go, and that was like fifteen hundred words, but it's like, yeah, would something like Edogawa Rompo's Caterpillar story Imamushi be something you could publish, where it's like, it's it's pub it's drawn written and drawn by this guy who is known for making grotesque erotic whatever and it's this super serious story about a guy who suffers real disfigurement in war and he tells it in a no holds barred like whatever and like it's his relationship with his wife who like eventually ends up killing him but not in a gentle way and it's like oh he told this story this is a story that's out there now this is the horrors of war in a real way but is it inappropriate because of who tells it is it inappropriate because of how it was told where it's like you know, there's sex in this story that is not good sex. It is not anything but the creepiest, worst sex. So, yeah, I think it's just like, I don't think that there's anywhere that manga can't go. And I think after looking up and reading some preview pages of Imamushi in French, it's like, oh, that is, there you go. That, that manga went there. That is a manga that went somewhere that I didn't think it would go. But it's also like, you have to, and this is maybe the theme of this episode. It's just like, where does, how is this work presented? Who is the audience for it and who's publishing it in North America? And I think that those things are all considerations that go into choosing to publish. A book. Yeah. I think that that's, a- yeah, like you can, you can manga or whether it's North American comics, the European comics or whatever, like you can write and draw whatever you want. You just have to deal with the repercussions of that and the potential lack of an audience for the work that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Like, like every country has its own kind of censorship laws. And that's really that's really the only thing that actually stops like a manga from going somewhere. And you can make mm. a thing, but if your the reading public turns wholly against it and you can't make a living <laughs> doing it, then or you get persecuted or yeah, yeah, or ex- it, yeah, exactly. Like, and we talk about manga. We've been talking about manga in terms of like working with a professional publisher, right? Mm-hmm. But like there's Dojinshi, there's underground comics in Japan, people photocopying and making whatever and having unpopular opinions. And sometimes it's kind of shitty right wing and sometimes it's uh, it's not. And that's, you know, we always have to remember, I think, that what we get in North America is a very curated selection. Mm. And there are a million factors that go into what we what we actually see that aren't always apparent. Like, it's nice that. Nakamura sensei this week was like, yeah, I didn't want this to come to North America because I didn't know how people were going to react. You know, she took control of like her manga and how she wanted it to be read. We don't always know the reasons for that. I think people, uh, especially manga readers, especially when they're young, forget that, that maybe there's reasons that manga isn't coming out or isn't coming out the way that you want or at the speed that you want, that there's stuff going on that they can't see. Mm-hmm. It's tough. It's super, super interesting to me. I mean, this actually harkens back to the main topic that the author was concerned about how it was going to be received in North America. Like that kind of focus on the North American market that North America frankly does not have for anywhere else no. in the world. <laughs> like at, at, at no point with sex criminals, like when we were doing all the foreign deals on them, did I think, oh, is this going to be okay in that market? Like I was just like, oh, you're going to pay me this much for this? Okay, that's fine. <laughs> like like uh, never the thought never crossed my mind as to whether or not this is going to be offensive there or not which you know maybe that's a problem with me in the north american market or i'm just like if someone's willing to pay for it and they're going to publish it and i'm proud of the work then i don't care really Mm -hmm. 
But I wonder too if it's related to like how Japan sees America through the lens of their news media. Like, mm-hmm. oh, so mm-hmm. many shootings, um, burning records because they're Beatles records because John Lennon said something off the cuff, you know? We have to yeah. find a manga with a great depiction of Americans in it, like a super stereotypical like <laughs> flag bikini everything. Yeah, I'm sure there's a I'm sure there's a, a wild societal subconscious thing too with the fact that America dropped atomic bombs. Like like just the idea of pissing off America just probably is like always in the back of the heads of frankly a, a lot of nations in the world. Yeah. Um but but specifically Japan. Like I think that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Man, those were uh Two thorough answers. To <laughs> yeah, so we would, it, it all fit the theme of this episode. You know? Yeah, yeah. Hope you enjoyed your comedy manga podcast. <laughs> I think that is a pretty good note to go out on. Thank you for listening. I apologize for Christopher Butcher, and we will see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> This has been Manga Explaining, episode 21. Thanks for listening. For our next episode, we'll be discussing the manga A Journal of My Father by Jiro Taniguchi. Want to pick up a copy? Consider supporting your local comic book and manga specialty shop. Find one near you at comicshoplocator.com. You can also follow along with our complete reading list at mangasplaining.com. Thanks to DADS for their musical accompaniment this episode. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.